We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Got a very special episode. We've got the Bleacher Blums guys on the pod, Jeff Blum and David Tuttle. They were on the show last year. Um, they're, they're here because the Yankees are about to play the Astros right out of the all-star break. Jeff is a uh, color commentator for the Astros. So obviously we know, we know where his biases lie, but Tuttle, on the other hand, he is, he's going to be the referee in, in this argument. And I'm not even going to say it's going to be an argument because no. we actually, we actually get compliments, compliments. Yeah. We get comments that we are part, uh, pretty by, uh, unbiased Yankees fans. As far as Yankees fans come, so are we? Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. So much, so uh, so happy to have you. It's good to be on, and yeah, it, 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 obviously, my I always make fun when we open up our podcast. I always say I'm Jeff Blum, commentator for the everybody, you know, America's favorite team, the Houston Astros. But uh, I know it carries a little extra special weight when it's on, uh, you know, a Yankee podcast. So it's good to be on with you guys again. Always a blast. And I do appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to have the conversation and talk very good baseball between two very good teams right now. Well, well, that's the thing about it. It's like the Astros just won't freaking go away. <laughs> they're, tr- they're trying to go to their, I believe it's sixth straight championship series. So yeah, they, you know, obviously they're they're the most hated team in baseball. And to be more hated than the Yankees, you got to do something extra bad to do that. When the Yankees are the likable one in the matchup, it it is, you know, you've done something wrong. But they're they're just a really good team. I, I'm I'm curious about that actually, and the 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 hatred towards the team. I mean, we feel it different than I think a lot of other folks feel it when they look, go across sports. And obviously, there are a lot of different players on the team. That, mm-hmm. There are a good amount of the same players. Alex Bregman is still there, and his face bothers me. But the the a lot of these guys were not in on that 17 team. So I'm curious, what's the reception across the league? You know, not speaking just from. Uh, you know, a fan base that feels robbed, you know, not only in, in, in multiple ways, but yeah, I'm curious. Well, 
I mean, I would feel robbed too if it was my only opportunity in the World Series. Slight dig ah. there, just saying. But uh, no, it's you know what's been interesting for me is because you know the last two years with the COVID year and then 2021 shutting down travel, so I haven't been on the road in two years. Everything I've heard and seen has been through a monitor or a headphone set. And, you know, I didn't know how bad it was until we got on the road. And granted, there's going to be some different reactions in different cities. They're going to be a little more subdued in some of the places that we do go to. But when you do get to Yankee Stadium, that's where we all anticipated all of the all of the hate and the vitriol to show up. And it was definitely there. So it's a visceral experience to sit there, broadcast for a team that you know everybody hates going in, and then you actually see and hear it up close. So it, it, it's unique. Uh, I do appreciate the fact that most fan bases, when we do go through there and watch the Astros, that it is for Altuve. It is for Alex Bregman. It is for Yuli Gurriel. Those are the three guys in the lineup from that 2017 World Series championship team. And then you see the guys like Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez get up there, and people just kind of sit back, watch, and enjoy the ball game. So I do appreciate the fact that fans are aware enough of that. But it's amazing to me to to see that and hear the reaction and not get caught up in it when you're trying to call a game because it's coming through our field mics, it's coming through our headsets, and then uh, watching those guys perform under those circumstances is probably the most impressive thing for me. But yeah, dude, that hate is real. Uh, I know we'll dig into it a little bit more, but getting there and experiencing experiencing it now firsthand is a completely different animal. And and let me, I said I would be the referee, but let me just chime in and say, look, the Yankees and the Astros, both because they're winning franchises, and you can debate about, you know, the Yankees 2001 five run is kind of the last time they've done it. But they're a hated franchise because they've had a lot of success, you know, ever since the boss and Billy Martin and, you know, before that, right? So it's good to be on the side of being hated. And I think the Astros, to your point, looking for their six ALCS in a row, are now kind of into that realm being hated. So, you know, we can debate some of the logistics or specifics, but I think you guys are both in a good position as, uh, you know, part of the fan bases for teams that are hated because they're respected. That's true. It's, you know, the, the, I think the, the Jordan Bulls were in the same, uh, a similar vein here. You, you, you just, the envy, I think, comes across because you're sick of seeing it if you're not a fan base. What, what I do appreciate here is with, the, with what the Astros have brought recently because of all of this is the rivalry between the two teams is, mm -hmm. is heated also. It's not just the fan base. It's, it's on the field. You can feel the tension when they're playing. The, the Yankees team, you can, you can tell that it's different. It's a little extra. And, you know, I'm sure there's some residual effect from 17, but there's also, it's just a damn good team. And, you know, when you're looking at the teams that were, were across baseball right now, it, it's been the Red Sox forever, but it's absolutely 1000% the Astros. And even I'd, I'd put the Red Sox, a, even a distant, probably fourth yeah. behind the Blue Jays wow. and the Tampa Rays. And that's, that goes because of, of the, the competition and, and, you know, what's happened in recent in recent history as well. I know the Red Sox obviously knocked the Yankees out, but the tension between the two teams um, just it hasn't felt like it's been there over, over the years. And I, I think that the Astros has really overshadowed that. Could you could do me a favor real quick? Just in, in, you know, just continuing on that same thread, I do. I'm glad that you said that because, you know, when you're down in Houston and you recognize the Yankees have, you know, rivals all over the country and obviously mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, 
you know, wants to create that East Coast bias between the Yankees, Red Sox, and just promote that rivalry to no end. I love the fact that you guys watch and love the Yankees and actually experience the fact that there is that that true rivalry between the Astros and Yankees. Uh, that makes me feel good. It makes me, you know, almost uh, validate what we've been talking about on our broadcast because we feel it down here in Houston when those guys play. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, it is a rivalry in the sense that they're two good teams going against each other. But I also believe it because social media goes absolutely bonkers when these two teams play. I can feel it on my end. But dig a little bit deeper and explain, you know, at least because we're going to borrow some of this audio probably to put on our podcast, but just to go in a little more depth and explain, we know 2017 because of the World Series and obviously Rob Manfred finding that there was a cheating scandal in there. I'm not going to deny that, but just dig a little bit deeper on Altuve and that hatred for the Houston Astros, just so... We have an understanding, but get, maybe give us a little more of an articulate, better understanding on why this rivalry is so good. Uh, Andrew, so you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. So <laughs> I, I've actually, um, so I talked to Andy Martino. I don't know if you guys know who Andy yep. Martino is. He wrote a book about the Astros cheating scandal. And he uh, it, it was actually went in depth about all of the major players in that. Beltron, Alex Cora, uh, AJ Hinch, uh, all the way down the line through to the present day Astros. And he was pretty confident in his findings that Altuve was not wearing a buzzer in the 2019 ALCS when he was, you know, saying, keep my, keep my shirt on. Mm -hmm. But as you guys know, that doesn't mean shit on Twitter. Okay. (laughs) Dude, nothing does. That's so true. And so (laughs) fans and the perception, I think, among a lot of casual fans, even non-biased fans of, of, of baseball, or that Altuve was doing something shady there. And then you go, it, it's it's just like any conspiracy theory. There's rabbit holes and rabbit holes and rabbit holes, and perception is almost more powerful than actual facts. And so the perception is that the Astro that Altuve was doing something cheating against Araldis Chapman and hit that home run. And that sent the Astros to the World Series. So the perception is that not only were the Astros found cheating in 17 and found cheating in 18, but then they were cheating in 19 as well and screwed the Yankees twice. So that is why Jose Altuve, that is one major reason why Jose Altuve is public enemy number one in the Bronx. The number two reason is because he's still really good and he still (laughs) murders the Yankees. And every time they play him, he hits a crushing home run. And I still don't understand why anyone would throw him a first pitch strike. I don't care. It should be nine feet out of the strike zone because if it's near the strike zone, he's going to hit it. So I, on the one hand, put the the whole you know perception of him on over here, and then also acknowledge he's still really just good at baseball. I'll go the other way, uh, a different side of things. The reason why I think a lot of this, for me personally, I, I can only speak to the way I feel personally. I, I, I think here because my 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 percep my perception has changed a bit, and, and my perspective has changed a little bit in how th- I, I I treat these guys. I think the reaction to the to the scandal also was a big reason why I feel the way I feel towards people. I actually don't have as much disdain towards Altuve because I think that he when when this all came up, he stuck he he took a step back. He did not come out in front. Whereas Correa, who I 
who I actually became a fan of during 17 when, when they're talking about him learning English just to talk to the, 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 um, the media in the major leagues. Like the story, I get chills thinking about a kid growing up in Puerto Rico learning English so that he can speak to the media members when he becomes a major league baseball player. It's, it's an amazing story. Um, you know, he, he, he proposed to his girlfriend, I think, right when they won the World Series. Like there were a lot of likable things about him. And then he got out in front of this thing and was just smug as all hell. And so was Alex Bregman, smug. That's the, the one word that I describe. And when I see someone who's smug about something that is clearly obvious, that clearly happened and shows no remorse for a particular thing, that bothers me. And I didn't see that from Altuve, actually. Altuve, I think, tried to stay, stay back from it as much as possible. And he's just a damn good baseball player um, all around. So I, I actually have a lot of respect for him. Um, and when I look at the guys, I, I squarely look at Bregman and Correa are the two guys that, that I look at the most uh, throughout that whole thing that bothered me the most. But the fact that they're good is, is just the reason why I think this thing Adds stays fuel. up. Adds it's fuel. fuel. They're still good. You know? They're still really Because they're good. still good and it pisses people off. And they're still beating you. <laughs> they're still beating you. They're throwing yeah. no hitters against you. It's like, it's, yeah. it's not only, not only, you can't seem to get the upper, the Yankees can't seem to get the upper hand on the Astros. And that's there's, also frustrating. There's a common theme here, which is funny because the common theme is what I said before. And you mentioned the Bulls is like, they're good. And so that yeah. puts them into this space. Now, how they handle it. And you pointed that out, um, Scott, but it's, it's like, I, we said this about Pettit, right? When Pettit's like, oh yeah, I had an injury. And so I had to take, and every, like everybody's forgot about him. He's a really good Christian guy. He was one of the best pitchers that the Yankees ever had in playoff situations. And nobody gives a shit that he did steroids. <laughs> Whereas Roger Clemens is like, I never did it. Barry Bonds is like, I never did it. And yeah. I don't know what the hey, hell Rob. you guys are talking about. And yeah, so. Yeah, this is a know, forgiving I, nation. We, we yeah, like I, to come yeah, back. You're right. I totally yeah. agree. So I think the way you articulated that is, 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 Good. I mean, you know, I, I think, completely agree. Yeah. So we Blum, I wanted to hear your thoughts too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Blum. Oh no, I was gonna no, go ahead. I've got a I've got a, one more question after this. And then but if I do want to talk about that series in yeah, New will. York and then the upcoming game, because it, I mean this is just fascinating baseball for me. So one last thing on what we were just talking about. Scott and I always joke on the show that it, it, the Yankees need to hire us as just like third party PR people because we will just tell the players exactly what to say that will that will just it's get the, the common sense to be the on their side. On their side, yeah, the common sense thing. If you stink, stand in front of your locker and admit that you stink, and say I'm going to try and get better and move on. Or like how when IKF uh, Kiner Falefa came to the Yankees, he did like the tour de force of like getting on the Yankees fan side. He he posted a picture of himself in the bleachers as a kid as a bleacher creature. It's like okay, beautiful Number one Yankees fan growing up. Got it. <laughs> Got you. Jose Trevino, same thing. My dad loved the Yankees. So it's like all of these Garrett things Cole. that just cut straight. Yeah, Garrett Cole holding up the sign. All of these things cut straight to the hearts of Yankees fans, and they're so they're so obvious uh, on what they are. And and t I think my point there was, but they work every single time. They work every time. It's that <laughs> Pettit, Pettit, hand up. I was wrong. Whereas Clemens, like I never did it. Two totally different things. Where so with Correa and the other players who said no, 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 we never cheated mm -hmm. or we never did this. It's it's like well, there's there's mountain of evidence that you did so at the narrative point. with pettit is hilarious because it's like he hgh because he's a team guy he was just trying to get back to the team right he was just trying to get back to the team trying to get healthy <laughs> to help the team out 
had nothing to do with individual performance. No. He was he felt so guilty that he was injured that he just had to get back faster to help the team. Yeah. That's, that's the perception back. a lot of times with, yeah. with Andy Pettit. He can do no wrong. The man could right. do no wrong. But wasn't when, that brilliant? I mean, that was brilliant. It was sure. genius, but it was also yeah, genuine. How do you not steal that idea if you're somebody else that jacks up something, dude? I don't, because it was genuine. Here's the road Potentially, map. It came from the right place. That's the difference. Yeah. Whereas these other guys are just so arrogant. Hey, it's a little more believable, and yeah. And smug. <laughs> like, that's not, a, that's not something that, come, that comes across well in any fan base at all. Do you know who potentially no. handled steroids the worst out of anyone ever is Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun, yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, don't even yeah. get me started. He, dude, sent, he, he buried that. A, just he like buried a, the guy that got tested. Awful, awful. But I was on the I was on the Diamondbacks in 2011 when we went to the playoffs, and that dude single handedly destroyed our playoffs because he hit 900 <laughs> with like five home runs in a four game series. It was unbelievable. And then we find out he did he did juice, and then just buried everybody in the process. Unbelievably bad. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was a scumbag. I didn't mean to take us sure. off topic back to steroids. I got some oh, thoughts good. on that too, but we, we don't do have to hours of podcasts uh, on steroids. <laughs> we could. I mean, I, we, Blum and I played in that era, and I do think it's funny because I know uh, Ryan. I also know his agent, who uh, both of them very, very arrogant people. And so it's funny how even their perception in the locker room and the perception that they give off when you're, you know, having a conversation with them like we are now. And, and Blum already brought it up. I, I mean, Pettit and Posada I played against way back when. And, you know, Pettit was, you know, he's very Christian guy, family guy, very soft-spoken. I mean, all those things were actually part of who he is. And to your point, I mean, I think that's if there's a roadmap to redemption, that's it. And maybe you guys should get hired by the Yankees and, you know, kind of utilize that roadmap so that they can have, you know. We've been making our pitch for like a decade and they haven't. <laughs> yes, so we yeah. keep pushing, keep, man. You never keep know. Keep the podcast going. You never know. That's what we do. We're like in three, <laughs> we're in, year we're three in year of our eight. podcast. We're in year yeah. eight. I'm not sure. I'm not sure hired. I want to work for them though, because then, then yeah. we can't talk about the things that we actually want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> We'd get hired and fired in a week. <laughs> yeah. I, I can attest to that fact. <laughs> <laughs> that you do have to be very careful about what you say about the organization you're working for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, one last question on all of this. Uh, you guys have been great about it, but I've got a question because you mentioned Beltron already. Cam, Cam Mabin was on that 2017 yeah. Astros team. <laughs> yeah. Marwin Gonzalez was on that team. How do you have two broadcasters on the Yes Network who are on the 17 team and, and arguably the leader of the uh, sign-stealing scandal, Carlos Beltran, in your booth, and then how does that dynamic work, and how did that go over when you guys first heard they were going to be there, and has anything changed? Do, do, do you remember what I said two minutes ago? Carlos Beltran <laughs> wanted to sign with the Yankees, and then he signed with the Mets because he couldn't sign with the Yankees. Always been a Yankees fan. Boom. We love him. Cameron Maven, just a nice guy. Compliments everybody. It's like <laughs> I think a lot of people don't remember that he was on that team. Also, also yeah. Also, yeah. there they weren't the best players on the team that were really beating you, <laughs> and, and that's ultimately True. what it comes down to. Yeah. Is that the they, Carlos Beltran was the performance enhancing drug of that team? Oh, no doubt. And about then it. Carlos and Beltran then, was on the the broadcast recently, the the most recent one for mm -hmm. when they played Houston because the was, Yes Network yeah. likes to pair up former players. I'm like, what are we doing here? You're, first of all, <laughs> he's not very good. He's, he still needs to get his legs. He's, he's bad. And two, he, I mean, you're hung out to dry at that point. Like, wh what are you supposed to he say? sounded very sad. About <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. there's nothing to say. There's, because obviously his, his career, smack in the middle of it. His, his, he lost his managerial job, probably never going to get another managerial job. Maybe this won't let him get into the Hall of Fame, and he's clearly a Hall of Fame player. Yes. So this, this is, 
I don't, oh, I don't think, think this is going to affect the Hall of Fame. You don't think so? No. What do you guys think? Uh, I think he, I think he I think he could get into the Hall of Fame. He's not going to be a first, no. you know, five ballot type guy. But I think eventually you get to the peripherals and you and you do find out as a switch hitter, he's one of the greatest switch hitters sure. to ever play the game. But at the same time, like you guys are talking about, I when that report came out against the Astros, you're you're going, damn, that sucks. But at the same time, when Manfred steps up and says, I'm not going to name any players. And then he names Carlos Beltran in that whole thing. Yeah. To be honest, that pissed me off because that went against his word. And this was right around that time, like you guys are talking about, that Carlos Beltran gets hired as the New York Mets manager. And I'm going, sweet. Finally, this guy this guy's going to get an opportunity. He knows the game extremely well, having been around him. He's played the game extremely well. I think his numbers are great. But I also thought he'd be a great influence on that Mets organization. And here he is getting named. So that's part of what pissed me off. And I think you're right in the sense that this may be as good as it gets for him being a broadcaster for the Yankees because nothing else is going to come of this because of that being named in that uh, report. It's unfortunate for him. Yeah, yeah. He, because he retired, so he technically wasn't part of the players' union yeah, anymore. It's, it still frustrates but me they, that he was a player at the time, the report. They should have been you know, able to protect him in, yes. after the fact. Like Whatever you I did agree. as a player, yeah, it, he really got screwed in the whole thing. And I, he's such a nice, like, I don't know him, but like everyone says, he's such a nice guy. and He's, su- he's, he's a really such, good dude. Such a good person that like I think he is super sad about the whole thing. And, and so from like a person listening to him call the Astros Yankees series, it's just like really came across. Well, he's yeah, just too he's, bad. he he needs he needs reps in the booth also. He's just he's Okay, not, yeah, I haven't I haven't actually to be honest, I haven't heard him in the booth. So I a lot I, of I generalities. Can't. Just like speaks to us like we're kindergartners and it's it's oh, no. it's frustrating sometimes. You know uh, I don't understand crazy? why 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 you guys think that he's not going to get a job at some point. AJ Hinch literally turned around immediately and got a But AJ Hinch job. had a resume of winning a World Series. Alex Cora had a resume of winning a World Series. So you don't you Carlos think that Beltran, Beltran was already you had to take a shot on Carlos <clears throat> Beltran. Yes. And now you'd have to take another shot on him, but he's got he's got black marks on his resume. Mm. I'm with Andrew on that one. I think the the previous track record for AJ and Alex is what got them the jobs and allowed them to come back in the game. Cora was never, I mean, they never wanted to get rid of him in the first place. No. Um, right. But, okay. Well, I'm, I, not but gonna I, sh- I'm not going to shock anyone right here, but I, the, the fan base, I'll, I'll speak on, uh, on behalf of the fan base because of my contractual issues. But if AJ, they, if AJ Hinch was offered the chance to come back, the fan base here would have, it would have taken him back in a heartbeat. Oh, I don't doubt that. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, this is my thing. I'm an analogy person, right? This is Deshaun Watson. Does Deshaun Watson give you a better chance to win? Why are you going to keep digging on the uh, Houston, man? Hey, I'm just saying. Does Deshaun <laughs> Watson give you a better chance to win a Super Bowl? Yep. All right. We're going to guarantee him $200 million and then we'll let the chips fall where they may. And I think it's really interesting because the managers that have a, you know, a World Series on their resume. I also think, you know, English is a second language for Carlos. I mean, yeah, he grew up in Puerto Rico and he's been in the big leagues for 20 years, but I think it's got to be challenging. I mean, I've found that I've been doing this podcast for three years and, you know, I don't know if I've gotten any better, but it certainly gets more comfortable. And to your point, yeah, maybe, (laughs) you know, I just, I just follow you, Blummer, you know that. But anyway, I I mean, I think you guys understand that, that, you know, like you said, maybe his sea legs are going to come as he, you know, just expands his thought more because maybe he thinks about it in a, in a more simplistic way when he's, you know, trying to articulate it in English. I, I mean, I don't know, but it does take repetition. He's, and it takes he's got, I agree so much knowledge because there were, yeah. he, he has flashes where he's like super huh. interesting when he gets detailed. And, yeah. And like John yep. Flaherty, who's also on the yes network, former, former catcher yep. was asked, was talking, basically hitting philosophy and, and, and what you're thinking in and at bat. And, and he went on like a two minute 
you know, uh, run where I was like, holy shit, like th- that's really interesting stuff. But then it goes back to like the very general, general points of, well, that, gr- that double play really hurt you. Oh, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But you're right. The information's in that skull because I, I actually went over there and talked to him. I was asking him about some of the relievers. I was asking him about some of the swing thoughts and decisions of, of some of the Yankees. And all of a sudden, and it was great because David Cohn was in there too. So you had the pitcher hitter aspect of the whole thing. And it was, I got stuck in there for about 15, 20 minutes when we're all trying to get ready for the game. But it was amazing. It, it's in there. Hopefully he does figure out a way to let that out because it would be, a, it would be a lot of fun to hear him talk about some of those situations and, and give you guys a little more to work with. When he's teed up, he's good. When he's teed up for something specific, he's okay. good. I, look, when I was, uh, I was watching, I've mentioned this in the podcast like 15 times recently, but I was uh, listening to, um, Clemens when he was talking with uh with Kay and A-Rod on Sunday night a couple couple weeks ago. And man, like Clemens was going deep and very, very, very entertaining about some of the things that he was talking about because he was talking baseball, just like pure baseball, unfiltered, Roger Clemens talking baseball. And that's fun to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. if if Beltron is teed up in that way, yeah. Oh, the guy's got a, you know, an encyclopedia in there. You can you can tell by the way he played and how he studied. I mean, he orchestrated that thing because he knew what to look for. When we're, <laughs> when you're thinking about the things, it's you know, when yeah. you actually take a step back from what it was and think about like why he was looking at this, his ability to pick up things that the pitcher is doing or are doing, and Clemens spoke on this too, about how he would play the game on the other side and try to hide it and 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 like fake people out. And it's fascinating. It, to me, it's fascinating on how fast a batter can pick that up, uh, pick up a, mm-hmm. a slight little reaction in mid, you know, in, during the mechanics, during the the actual windup. So, yeah, it, I don't disagree. Know, he's just he Tim, needs to get his sea legs on the on the color commentator part yeah. where he's carrying a a Tigers Yankees, you know, five nothing game <laughs> in the yeah. fifth. To, to me, it's like poker though, and that's what I learned too. I mean, I you got to I you know, Blummer has millions of stories, and it's not good to out all these guys. Eduardo Perez had that reputation. And he would sit there and he's like, and it was like a game. There was two dudes at the end of the dugout, whether they were going to pinch it or not. They'd be like, I got him. I got him. Two innings later, they got him. Look, watch when he closes his front foot and his hands hang a little bit lower. It's a change up. When he, I mean, those guys did that stuff all the time. And so then, you know, we can add in video and videography. But these guys were so good, even without the videography. And they had so much knowledge and so much experience that that game within the game as you start playing high levels, you know why these guys cover their mouth and why they're going to a you know, yeah. non-verbal, you know, non-physical signal. Because after you know, after a while, you can just pick it up, and it's you know, it's totally the game within the game. I want to ask you guys a question about that because you're both former players, and maybe you won't be able to answer this. But why is it baseball players are, are obsessed with trying to figure out those little ins and outs and trying to figure out a pitcher's tell? Is it purely just to get an advantage over the pitcher who already has an advantage over you? Or is it because baseball is just naturally a, a slow sport, so you've got a lot of downtime to, to do all this stuff? <laughs> like That's like in football, question. you don't have time. This is a 400-pound guy running at me. Like, I just have to, I just have to react. So, like, well, what is it? Well, I think in all sports, there's tells either way. You know, in basketball, if a guy, you know, uh, James Harden step back, he's going to set you up and you know how to defend that. Or you've got, like you said, if, if there's a running back that makes a certain move, you anticipate that by watching film. So they, you know, those sports are a little more, pre- you know, preparation aspect, watching the video, getting these signs. And if you see that in gameplay, then react accordingly. Whereas in baseball, you can kind of feel the, feel the, 
momentum of the game and feel you know the synergy of the whole thing because you have the time to be able to do that and you've got four or five guys on a bench who are you know what 120 feet away from watching what this guy's doing but I really do believe and I know that you know it's even more paramount these days because guys are throwing consistently 95 to 100 miles an hour everything is spin rates everything is max effort there's nobody that really slows up and really tries to finesse the game like a tom glavin or a greg maddox these guys are coming Nestor at you cortez baby Nestor cortez well that's court but he's done a great job of yeah. manipulating the baseball creating a different delivery and you can't pick up on the tell that kind of goes to what roger clemens was saying and that was kind of my thing through this whole sign stealing scandal is you know, ultimately, the pitcher can change signs, change delivery, uh, try and keep the hitter off balance. <clears throat> but, you know, if you keep going to the same sign, that's on you if you're getting picked. But the idea of the hitter is to try and find a way to anticipate what's coming. Because when I dig into the box, I have tendencies, I have experience, and it, hopefully I can pick up on your delivery and pick up the spin out of your hand. That's why pitchers are trying to be so deceptive and tunnel. They're trying to release the ball out of the same spot. They're trying to just tweak the arm a little bit and, and create the spin out of the same delivery. But if I see you come set and your hand is right here on a fastball, but it's right here on a changeup, I'm going to use that to my advantage. You know, I'm looking for any advantage because you are youth, number one, hold the baseball and make the decision on what you're coming at me with. And you also have nasty stuff. Hitters don't go up there looking for nasty. I go up there looking for, dear God, hang me a curveball. Dear God, leave a fastball out over the plate <laughs> yeah. so I can get to it. Because I'm if you, if you actually execute your pitch and Trevor Bauer, you know, did this in spring training where he said, here, I'm going to throw a fastball. Threw it as hard as he wanted, yeah. put it where he wanted, and still got guys out. So that's where, if I can anticipate, and you know, going back to the Astros issue, I think the biggest thing everybody's going, oh, the average got better, the slugging percentage got better. For me, and maybe Tuttle can talk to this a little bit. If I know what's coming and I see the spin and I and I'm ready for it in a two strike count and I see it break off the plate, guess what? I'm not going to chase it. And that's probably the biggest thing that came out of that whole sign stealing scandal is that you actually were able to not strike out frequently. Yeah, I had two things on that. And and Blum, you touched on it. I think baseball, not because it's slow, but I think because it's so explosive and fast. Meaning, as a hitter, if you go up there and you dig in, as a pitcher standing out there, I know that you, you know, you're looking for the ball middle in. And if I can locate to to Blum's point about Trevor Bauer, if I can locate then I can get you out. I can if I can throw my sinker on the lower half and you're you're flying open, I know I can get you to roll over on that ball. Now whether I hit my spot or not is, you know, a whole different story which we see mistakes, but I think baseball different than like football where they come in the hole and maybe they go left every time and then one time they go right, you're like, "Oh yeah, he changes tendency." In baseball, if you're a hitter and you go up there and you know it's a four-pitch pitcher, every time a guy comes in, Blummer's like, "All right, this guy's, you know, Got a 2.75 ERA. He's got four pitches. He's got a cutter, a sinker, a four-seamer, and a changeup, and a slider. And You can't go into the box thinking, this guy's got all five pitches going today. You have to go in there and go, all right, I'd like to get ahead. I'm going to take a strike. If I can get him to 2-0 or 2-1, I can look for that sinker or that fastball middle away. And then now you've just narrowed your chances. And so I think the sign ceiling in baseball, legally or illegally, is just that you know, it's just a little more advantage because you see guys, you can tell when guys know what pitch is coming, they pop it up to the shortstop, they snap their bat over their knee and they throw themselves around. They're like, that was my one chance. And I think that's that I think that that makes it different subtly than most other sports. 
I'm going to transition us into into modern day baseball into today's yeah. game because this this is po- like Yankees Yankees Astros here. We just found some poetry yeah. in baseball, so that's that's an amazing thing to do. <laughs> you talking about the, the hitting the spots, hitting the spots here, and our our uh, our guy, not really, but on our team, Joey Gallo is a guy who is is <laughs> we've we've talked about him before on our podcast. I, too, but... Yeah, he's, he's a legendary. Guy. I believe that Joe, here's my belief. My belief is that Joey Gallo swings the bat in the exact same spot every single time. And if a home run is hit, the pitcher made a mistake and hit his bat. That's, that's my belief. And our, our big thing is like, he even made comments earlier in the season and saying, this is how I got here. This is who I am. This is, I I can't, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to change what got me to the major leagues. And in fact, we're looking at it like, you're a major league baseball player. You're a major league hitter. Make an adjustment. Make an adjustment <laughs> to, at this point, stay in the league. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's getting oh. to an embarrassing level what what he's doing because it's it's like he's going out and just just chopping the wood at the exact same spot, just keeping the same exact thing. And by some miracles, a, a, a pitcher throws throws a ball in in over the plate in the middle of the zone instead of instead of up or down and away. And it makes contact with his bat, and he gets lucky and hits one out once a month. Yeah, you what, guys are your, can steal what are the thoughts guys, about the about the adjustments? Well, I, I've watched Joey Gallo since he was a Ranger facing the Astros, and they, they they've thrown nine thousand fastballs at the top of the zone that he will never touch and <laughs> right. never has. It's it's amazing. So to your point, that swing is on the same plane, the exact same time every single day in the same place. And you guys can steal this term. I call it porn hacking. That's all he is. He's just one big porn hack the entire time. And, you know, what's crazy, man, this guy, he he is extremely frustrating. But isn't the game of baseball, What is when you talk about the game of baseball and you talk to every pitcher, every hitter, every position player, what do they say that baseball is? It's a game of adjustments because it's constantly that movement of me changing my pitch to get you out until you hit that pitch. Then I will I will work off of that pitch, try and find another way to get you out. But Joey Gallo, since he's been in the big leagues, has not moved off how to get him out. It has been a consistent book. It's dusty, and it says the same thing every single day when you go and get him out. Amazing stat about Joey Gallo that I that is absolutely mind blowing to me is that he has one sacrifice fly in his career. Unbelievable. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to look it up. I, 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 mean, I that guarantee can't it. Can't be real, but I believe you. It's unbelievable. I, sw- I I would go back if it's if it's not one, it's under it's five or under. I guarantee it. I mean, that's the, insane. Whether it's one or five, the the point the point <laughs> stands. Uh, he's got two. He's got two. His entire career. oh wait no, no 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 that's oh I'm looking up Baseball Reference right now. Uh, he's got one sacrifice hit and two sacrifice flies. He hit one with the Yankees last year. In his I can't say that career. I remember it. In his entire career, uh, twenty six hundred plate appearances. <laughs> that just means I, the ball. I, I hate. He's, he's Scott. That he's, means the ball goes over the fence. Don't worry about it. it goes out. <laughs> right, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it either goes I mean, out or he misses he it. Does have hundred sixty nine home runs? Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, two that sacrifice plays. He, he dri- the. <laughs> Drives me nuts watching him play, and that's why, like, I don't understand the disdain some fans have when they watch IKF play. He's a breath of fresh air. He's a breath of fresh air. He moves. He moves runners. He gets on base. He makes the plays. He's made. He has not made some simple plays at short. That's where he like has some 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 uh, some blunders, but he makes the incredible plays too. He's gonna clean that up. 
He's going to clean it up. He's going to be a better defensive shortstop in the second half. But my God, does he fit that lineup? And you know what? It's it's a little bit taking a, taking a page out of what the Astros have done so well over the years. The Red Sox, too, when they won the championship. That's a ball. They don't move strike out. runners. Yeah. They don't strike out. They get on base. They do the things that you need to do to win games. And that hasn't changed in a long time. Like I understand that the 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 strategy in baseball as a whole is different today, but the mm-hmm. winning strategy actually isn't that different. And you look at what Glaber Torres has done. We've been talking about this. Speaking of Cam Maven, he talks about the middle of the field approach at nauseum mm-hmm. of the broadcast, but he's not wrong. When Glaber started hitting line drives again, the ball started flying out of the park. It's not it's not a coincidence. He's not trying to lift the ball and get it out. He's just trying to make good contact, go up the middle of the field, and oh by the way, it's going out of the park. So. It's a, there's a clear, there's a clear, you know, this, this team needed that this team needed a guy like mm-hmm. IKF and a, a couple other pieces to balance out that lineup so that when October comes and we're going up against a guy like Justin Verlander, hmm. you know, at yeah. least we have a, a fighting chance to put the ball in play and see what happens. And well, I, think I think you, oh, sorry, Blummer. Let me, I just want to say pitching and defense. You mentioned how it hasn't changed. Blum and I talk about this all the time. This is kind of like most games, right? You have the season and then you have the playoffs. The playoffs is still pitching defense and not striking out. I mean, Verlander's going to give up zero, one, or two runs, right? Garrett Cole's going to give up zero, one, or two runs. Who wins that day? Two to one, one to nothing, based on like the way the ball bounces. But you have to have that strategy in place. Sorry, Blummer. I know you guys want to get no, to the fine. series coming up after the All Star game. Too. Well, that's why I was going. I was going to use that to lead into it because that was one of the things in watching that series when the Astros went through. Uh, Yankee Stadium, and they've played five games already. But it was really interesting to me because I agree with you that I think this Yankees team is different in the sense that they are trying to make more contact. You know, Rizzo is a freak uh, uh, with with how he handles the strike zone. I know the average isn't there. He's gotten some timely hits. But, dude, that guy puts together an absolutely frustrating at bat, uh, fouling off pitches, laying off pitches, forcing deep counts. And, you know, that affects starting pitchers. And then you start to get to some of these bullpens around the league, and that's when you start going to do do a lot of damage. But going back to uh, Kiner Falefa and Trevino, for that matter, mm-hmm. is that, yes, they put together good at-bats and they're having career years in Yankee Stadium. But the thing for me is the defense has gotten better behind your, the pitching staff. I mean, Trevino's, not just gotten better. It's it's Trevino's the best night night in baseball. It's, Yankees yeah, have the most defensive run yeah. saved. I think they're up there at the top of the league now. It's 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 a it's it's crazy how how fast it happened. And that's the number that jumped for me because watching you know obviously we've had years where we've had Garrett Cole, Verlander, Granke, some of the you know Lance McCullers Jr. Dallas Dallas Keuchel doesn't win a Cy Young if they don't play defense behind them. Right. You know that's where he doesn't the win a Cy Young if he doesn't pitch four times against the Yankees that year. <laughs> yeah, they had a hard time with the soft <laughs> they stuff. Didn't they score could, off of them. couldn't elevate on him. But, you know, the defense is what's going to enhance your yeah. pitching staff. So those two guys, I think, made the, the, the offense a little more dynamic and useful and set up for some of the big boys in that lineup. And then the defense has been incredible. Trevino's been a lot of fun to watch him kind of grow up and work with that pitching staff. But do the bullpen for the Yankees... The what I saw in that those four or five games against the Astros, the bullpen, it might be the linchpin of what they're able to go out there and do because you guys are going to be able to slug. You're going to get the Giancarlo three run home run. You're going to get the judge, you know, three run double or the late inning home run like we saw in that series. But the bullpen was absolutely shut down. And that was a series that we didn't even see a role as Chapman in. Well, that's the, the thing about the Yankees bullpen that what we thought were going to be their top two guys, Chapman and Johnny Loizaga, have not been there all year. 
Clay Holmes has been the best relief, best closer Ooh. in the league. Michael King has been a weapon. And even guys like Wandy Peralta ha- have stepped up huge yeah. uh, for, for that bullpen. Uh, you Chapman guys don't want is- Gary Sanchez back? Well, we, we didn't do so it. We, we have a rule. We on made this, a vow. We have on a this rule show. on the podcast now. We have a rule. We cannot say Gary Sanchez's oh, name anymore. Oh, good. I didn't know. Yeah. So there you go. That's I just a curse. Said, no, you no, know, I about Trevino. I was like, you know, Gary Sanchez. Now that you've brought Trevino, him up. Like, now that you've brought him up. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it was addition by subtraction. I mean, it was sure. Gary Sanchez has been driving me insane for the past two yeah. to three years. Insane <laughs> with, no, with the types of things that he does. But, I'm good at throwing um, us off topic. You mentioned the bullpen. Well, the, I do. I did tune into that series. I like to listen to Blum every once in a while. And I was like, who are these? Who's this Clay Holmes guy? 98. And every like, year. It was like, strike, 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 strike. I was sinker. like, damn. 98 sinker, yeah. He Nasty. hit 101 on the oh. gun one time this year with Brutal. a sinker. Which maybe it was a hot gun, but I don't yeah. care. That's still probably uh, 98. Still, no. Yeah. And it's the gun's hotter than it used to be, but it doesn't matter. Every guy's throwing 96 and 97. They're locating their ball. You talked about trying to get an edge earlier. This is why you need to get an edge. Because if you go yeah. up to, against Clay Holmes with no no plan, guess what? <laughs> you're <laughs> well, you're going to be the in weir- the back of the dugout. The weird thing about that series is the Yankees actually scored off the Houston bullpen, and the Houston bullpen had been pretty damn good all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't touch any of the starting pitchers in, in that series. and Dude. and. The Astros bullpen pitched completely scared. They pitched 13 innings in that in that series in uh, New York. 13 walks that wow. killed them. Yeah. yeah, and and to get out of there with a split was because the starting pitching was so good. Obviously, yeah. the no hitter, but even on the Friday night game, I don't think they allowed a uh, a hit after like the second inning in that game mm-hmm. or something like that. And obviously, almost no hit them in, in the Sunday game. Uh, in, until late in that game, so yeah, so it was. How how does that affect you guys when you're watching this game? Because you guys know this roster, you know these guys' tendencies as well as anybody. The two games that stood out for me for the Astros against the Yankees, or if I was a Yankee fan, would be the Irkiti game because he throws a lot of fastballs and a lot of strikes, and then Luis Garcia in Minute Maid Park, who doesn't pitch well there, and they, he was able to shut down that both those guys were able to shut down the offense. That that really surprised me, to be honest with you. The offense has been really, really good all season. Like if you just mm-hmm. look at the, the overall numbers, it's been really, really Man, good. Yeah. And and especially over the past month, the numbers are are excellent. But there's been a handful of blowout games that they've had, and then a handful of games where they they look awful. I'm not even just talking about getting no hit, but you know, two hits, one run, or something like that. So it's kind of been a lot of highs and low swings over the past month, which make the overall numbers look pretty good because you co- you score 14 runs in a game and then two runs. Well, your average runs per game is still pretty good, but yeah. you look at it, it's like, well, you didn't need 14 runs to beat the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are stat patterns, man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Joe, so, like Joey Gallo on Sunday, getting back to Joey Gallo, <laughs> hit a two-run home run in the eighth inning of a game they were already winning, like 11-1. to one. It's like, great. Oh, Thanks, man. Joey. Take that into the All-Star break. Yeah, well, it doesn't count. I think this, this belies something, though, that I've always thought about baseball and now more as a fan watching it is the best players are the ones that do that, that get, you know, I mean, we saw uh, Carpenter get, what, two, three-run homers, you know, from, you know, like, you're going to see his numbers at the end of the year. He was hitting 180, now he's hitting 230. He's going to be hitting 270. But that those are the guys that end up helping your team because they gain confidence in games like that, like against the Pirates when you, you know, boat race them 13-1 to 1 and you don't need it. But those are the professional hitters, like you said. Gallo's, you know, 
he's going to run into one every once in a while, maybe against a lesser team. But guys like Carpenter are the guys that scare me the most when I think about the Yankees lineup, because you're going to be careful with Judge. You're going to be careful with, you know, Stanton. But here's a guy who was an all-star. And yeah, he seems past his prime, but his stash looks pretty damn good. And he's a professional hitter, man. He's, he's the best hitter on the planet. He's actually he's been untouchable right now. <laughs> Juan Soto for Matt Carpenter. It's not even a conversation. Uh, right I wouldn't now. go he's, that far. Oh, there you go. I love that. He's, I mean, he's he's hitting 350 with a with I think what 12 home runs now. It's he's insane. He's insane. He's oh, you're being found serious. whatever he's found got like of a 2000 OPS man. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, like yeah. he's oh. he's got 12 home runs in like in less plate appearances than he hit 12 home runs in the past three seasons. But I'm <laughs> what, telling you, if you want to watch a, look at a, a funny stat line comparison on like a baseball reference, is just go pull up Joey Gallo and Matt Carpenter for this sure. year and see what it looks like. It's pretty funny. Right. That would be funny. But, but I mean, Blum and I've talked about this a bunch on our podcast and just to reiterate, those are the guys, those, I mean, they get him as a glue guy, you know, AB yeah. Booney yeah. knows him like, Hey, you know, we'll get this veteran clubhouse presence. And now all of a sudden, that's what flips it. You know, yes, you got, you know, the catchers and the defense and all one com- coming along. I mean, I started looking at this little league field that my daughter plays soccer next to, and it's like two oh it's like two ten down the line of the little league field. And then you go to Boston and you see it's like three oh two. And then you look at that right field porch or the Crawford boxes and you're like, oh, this is gonna be fun. I get to face John Carlos Stanton, and it's like three thirty, you know, in the gap where he just all he has to do is like extend his arms. Like this is it's going to be an offensive juggernaut and you add Carpenter into the mix and, you know, the Yankees and the Astros are both, you know, you see why they're formidable teams. And yeah, thankfully, I mean, feels thankfully like Yankees, are... Yankees right-handed bats can make those adjustments uh, for the most part and and hit the short porch and just pepper that thing. Uh, and actually, I mean, that's what, that's what Judge's big advantage was after, after, um, after 16, when he was at a 50% strikeout clip, you know, his bat is coming through the zone for such an extended period of time. Now his mistakes uh, are are oh. flying out of the uh, out of the park in in right field, but um, no, that's a great point, and yeah. he's strong what enough if- to be able to do that too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so let's really dig in a little bit to the series because the doubleheader's coming up. You guys saw them split, obviously, in Yankee Stadium. So what do we think? Do you think the bullpen for the Astros is going to pitch less scared this time? Or what, I mean, what I mean, do we see it, coming up? Well, it's I, I hate that it's a doubleheader because... Me too. <laughs> because these two teams do not need to be playing a double. Like, 
I don't know. The Yankees can play a doubleheader against the Orioles, and I have no clue who the, who the Astros <laughs> are playing in the weekend uh, right after, but they can play a doubleheader against them. Let the Astros and the Yankees play Thursday and Friday because, like, it's bullshit that they've got to come out of the All-Star break into a doubleheader in which you're probably going to split because both teams are just managing their pitching workload, and that's how doubleheaders in the middle se- middle of the season go. Maybe I'm going to be wrong, but we'll see. I don't know. Well, I, I, I hope you're wrong in the sense that it's actually a good game, a good, good, a good couple of games because I'm with you 100%. This might be the one time that you see Yankee fans and Astro fans actually agree because you're forcing them to watch two great teams play. I don't want to say they're going to be mediocre games, but it kind of has that sensation going into it. That they're just trying to find a way to get through the day. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Not I want right. to see these two guys get mad at each other and start beating the hell out of each other and play some good baseball and have some big moments like they've had in the past. So I'm with you in that. It's terrible that they're forcing the Yankees to come to come to Houston. I know they're home games for the Astros, but there had to be a better spot to be able to do this. I would have extended the season, like you're saying, to force them to be able to play maybe a couple more meaningful games on back-to-back nights as opposed to back-to-back games in the same day. It's not right because the Astros have to play two at home, get on a plane and take a five-hour flight to Seattle, which is going to suck. And then you're going to see the Yankees do the same thing. They're going to play two in uh, Houston and then have to take a flight in the middle of the night after a 5.30 game, I think it is, that second game, and go and lose an hour and go back to Baltimore. It's, It's not fair for anybody. It's not fair for baseball. It's not fair for the fans. Coming off of vacation too. I mean, they're coming off the All Star break, so you guys you add are coming that back the from mix. the Caribbean. Yeah, these guys yeah, are all seriously. You're you know, right. They're they're wiping the sleep out of their eyes for that game one, and then they gotta they gotta play two on that day against their their most uh, heated rival. So, I think breaking down this this uh, this series could go a number of different ways here. But I'm I'm more interested also to, to hear what you guys think is is uh, coming up at the deadline. What, what mm-hmm. do you what is the what is the what's in the air uh, that what are the Astros where are they going to be targeting? What do you what are you guys expecting them to be going after? Because obviously they're a very good team. What four games back in the loss column right now from the Yankees, who have been the storyline yep. of of the total wins. I mean the Astros are right there. Um, so this trade deadline, uh, Andrew and I have called it Brian Cashman's most important of his career because the Yankees have a team where they can absolutely win, and they, in my opinion, they have to overcompensate for for certain things and 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 go after this thing one thousand percent. So. I'm curious as to you know what's in the air in Houston and what they're what they're looking to do. Yeah, when I get done answering this question, I'll ask you guys the same thing. But the first thing is, I would trade my entire AAA Space Cowboy lineup for, and team for Juan Soto right now. <laughs> Being able to have him for another two three years, even if it's arbitration at twenty five million a year, I'm going to bring that guy over and put him. Shoot, I don't know. I'd let him play center field oh if he wanted God, to. I cannot take Juan Soto in that lineup. Could I you imagine? Handle it. <laughs> Yeah, let's move. That would be that. insane. Great. No, so I disagree. He's so. also he's also going to be doing the thing where he's like leaning up again. That's going to really piss me off if I see him doing that towards the Yankees. I like Juan Soto. Else. I don't yeah. want to have to hate Juan Soto. That would know. that's going to really bother me. And all the experience he had hitting bombs in the World Series <laughs> against the Astros, he's going to be perfectly comfortable hitting him up onto the train track. That's that's obviously I, I I don't see that happening. It would be a miracle, but I know he's on the market, which is fascinating to me, and I can't wait to see if he actually goes somewhere. But <laughs> to that point, yes, I think the Astros could use a left-handed bat. Uh, I think they could use a left uh, left-handed hitting outfielder or first baseman. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, with uh, Yuli Gurriel won the batting championship last year, but has not been the same guy, not the same RBI producer. 
Uh, so a left-handed bat that could play a corner outfield position and maybe be able to play a little bit of first base. A guy that keeps popping up in my mind is a guy like Josh Bell for the Nationals that plays first base and can switch hit. Um, and then in the bullpen, if I can find a premier right-handed arm, I would take it. But if I can find a left-handed reliever that is better than some of my right-handed options for the Astros, I would go get that guy. Because right now, the Astros are relying on Phil Maton, Hector Neris, Rafael Montero, Stanek, and some of these guys. Those are their high-leverage guys later in the game. But I think they need to get that a very good left-handed reliever that can come in in some key situations, maybe in that sixth, seventh inning, to put away some tough left-handed hitting in some of these lineups, and they would be a little bit better uh, as far as the bullpen's concerned. But I like the idea that the rotation is in good shape, and rumor has it, I don't know how true it is, but rumor has it Lance McCullers Jr. is going to make it back, hopefully by September, and I don't know how they're going to use him, if he's going to be a rotation guy or a bullpen guy. Is that interesting because the Yankees have some similar needs. Uh, if you had asked us this question three or four weeks ago, we would have said the number one need is you need to find mm -hmm. someone to play better than Joey Gallo, and that wouldn't be very hard. Uh, I know a lot of Yankee fans hope Andrew Pen Benintendi comes over, would fit this lineup very That'd well. Be nice. play left field, doesn't strike out a whole lot, uh, would be a really versatile outfielder He's not for vaccinated. Them. <clears throat> I know he's not vaccinated. <laughs> so he can't um, go play up in Toronto, just saying. Can't play in Toronto. Uh, we thought Judge wasn't going to be able to play in Toronto, and 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 he ended up getting, I don't know. I, I think if Benintendi ends up being a Yankee, hole. he'll figure it out. I yeah. was joking, but <laughs> but uh, but two big guys, Stanton and Judge, can can make some do some influence on that, you know. But One now down the other, yeah, even though outfield, deal, you're like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> even though outfield is definitely still a priority, they actually need starting pitching. Um, the depth mm -hmm. in the starting pitching, their rotation was so so good through the first two plus months of the season, and it's really hit a lot of speed bumps with injuries to Severino. And they're going to have to manage guys like Nestor Cortez and probably even Jamison Tyone's innings because they're, they're coming off seasons in which they have not thrown this many innings. Tyone's had a really weird, weird first half. He was so good through, through the end of May, and he's been so bad since the beginning of June. So I, they need a, another starting time. pitcher. They need a starting mm -hmm. pitcher. Yeah, it's I, funny. I, I agree. I oh, think Benintendi does fit the lineup really well. He's another guy that just, I think, helps turn the lineup over. Josh Bell's interesting for you guys, too, because of the first base need. A lot of Yan Yankees fans have said Josh Bell, but I don't see it because of the first base. I mean, there's there's nowhere for him to play with with Rizzo yeah. and then LeMay, who's sliding all over the place. So I think Ben Attendee's a, a good fit there. Uh, I could see an Ian Happ uh, coming over, even uh, David Peralta Ooh. from from uh, Arizona. Ooh. Just like a steady left-handed bat that's going to come in. Those you are good know bats. what you get. He's a good He's a good clubhouse guy. Like I, I could see someone, those one of those guys slotting in because although Matt Carpenter has been amazing, you cannot rely on 36-year-old Matt Carpenter who came out of the Texas AAA swinging a bat like, you know, 2015 Matt Carpenter or whatever the <laughs> last time he was good. Um, so I don't think you can depend on that. And I think Cashman does have to over, overcompensate. Uh, and if, if, if we're looking at his tendencies, looking for a starting pitching who is controlled after this year, because Tyone's coming up on a contract uh, after this year, and that's when Ka you look at his previous moves. Usually, this guy, the, the the guys that he goes after, are controlled for a year or two years after that. So it's not just a move for now, but it's also a move for the future. Tuttle, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say just with Blum. Yeah, I mean that's why Soto would be so appealing, right? Because he's got he's under control. So anybody that gets him is in, a, right. in an ideal one situation. of the many reasons why. Yeah, well, that's the reason. Aside from being one of the best players in baseball. Um, 
What I was going to say, I don't have a lot of skin in the game. It's interesting uh, as an outsider looking at teams like, I mean, the teams that your team needs as these are the two best teams in baseball, you know, on, on paper, essentially, um, are are exactly what they have, you know, like Brantley's shoulders a little wonky. So what do we need? Kind of a left-handed hitting outfit. I mean, you're just filling these holes. You mentioned Gallo. Gallo's a left-handed hitting or swinging and missing whatever he is. Yeah. Put in a left-hander like Maybe he's actually right-handed. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Scott just solved the problem. We figured him out. (laughs) He's from the wrong side of the plate. Um, Anyway, but, but it, it, you know, Guriel, right? He was last year, he was the batting champ and he's always been a solid run producer. He's not this year. So it is funny that these teams are just going to reload. And so when, when you guys talk about the trade deadline, it's hilarious because really <laughs> what you're talking about is just strengthening those, what, what are already are. kind of strengths, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the yeah, idea like, though. Yeah. yeah. No, no I, that's, yeah. you're fighting for the, the top spot in the division. Uh, both of, or excuse me, in the in the league, both of these teams. Yeah. Uh, I guess really the idea would be play play one extra home game in the ALCS if if you meet up mm-hmm. with with the team. Yep. And yeah, you've got to identify where your weaknesses are, where your potential yeah. weaknesses are, and, and solidify them. You cannot yep. let both of these teams, especially the Yankees, cannot let this trade deadline go by and not address your needs. This is the best team you've had in so long. It's the most complete team you've had in so long. If they do not address all of their needs, that's a huge failure. I don't care about... And you don't know what's going to happen. With this judge contract, you do yeah. not know what's going to happen. I wanted to, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask no. Tuttle something. because Well, wait. I would, because, let me just finish uh, that thought. Because look what yeah. the Rams did, right? And that's what that, I, that, I, that was just finishing Scott's point, which is, this is your time. Do you go all in? Yes. We're going to yeah. get you know, OBJ. We're going to get this guy. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And then we'll figure it out after, yeah. you know? And I think that that's where the Yankees are right now. So go ahead. I completely agree. These these aren't playoff contenders. These are World Series championship contender teams. And that's why you think about enhancing them. And you have to make that drastic change. But I'm I'm in complete agreement with you guys. The uncertainty with Judge, but as well-rounded as that Yankee team has finally become, you've got to make that push. So... Tuttle, I know you're a Giants fan. I have a, a coworker who, who's a big Giants fan, and he theorizes that if Judge hits the free agent market, the Giants are going to be heavy in on Aaron Judge. Do you see that happening if he does become a free agent? I could see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, you know, he went to Fresno State. He's a California guy. I mean, you, you t- they talk about that all the time. It's a really good baseball market. The challenge is, and Blum and I, have, you know, we go back and forth with the Giants. You know, the Giants kind of did what we're talking about. I feel like last year, I, I, Kapler is not my favorite choice for manager. Um, you know, he's a little unorthodox, but I think they caught lightning in a bottle last year, right? Buster Posey is the captain and they had all this great stuff going on. And, you know, they just kind of had this great core of veterans with some young guys. But when you stand on the mound, and this is how I evaluate a lot of it, and you look at the Yankees lineup, you're like, oh, shit. You know, when you stand on the mound and you look at the Astros lineup, they're really not a lot of holes. You're nervous about facing, you know, Jordan Alvarez. And so you're careful with him. And then Guriel comes up and hits one by your ear hole. I mean, with the Giants, they don't have that. So they need to do something. It's not a rebuild, but this year I don't see them. It's going to be a stretch for them to make the playoffs, even though they're playing well. But they have the Dodgers and the Padres to contend with, just like the American League East is a challenge. And, I, you know, I, I don't see why. If Judge didn't take it, we talked about this on our podcast a couple of days ago. It hasn't been released yet. I mean, Soto turning down 15 years at 440. That he's he's basically saying, I don't want to fucking play here. Excuse my yeah. language. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, for I mean, there, I mean, back there's up no the truck. I mean, it's almost half a billion right. dollars. You said right. No to half How a do you dollars. interpret that? 
Like whether it's a rebuild or not. So judge turning down what he did, I know it's arbitration and he just, you know, he stopped the negotiation. You know, these guys are definitely testing the market. It'll be interesting to see what the Players Association says about these guys. You know, like those are the kind of contracts you want to take. Now, I know he's, you know, still under control. So that's a different deal as well. But anyway, long answer to, I do see the Giants in on judge. They do need their next captain, their next um their next kind of foundational player. And the Giants don't have that. I mean, they have Evan Longoria, you know, Brandon Belt, you know, yeah. Crawford's got to be Crawford. on his way out. And, you know, he's yeah, hitting like was... 230. He's a superstar shortstop. But, you know, I mean, he's been there for 14, 15 years, got three championships already. I mean, why not, right? So I think Judge would be a great guy to go after. Maybe they'll be in the Soto market for all I know. I mean, I have no idea. But they do need a foundational player. And those guys that hit the free agent market, the Giants should pursue if they're not. It would just be such a disaster if the Yankees let let Judge walk. It's just yeah, that would be disappointing. It, it, after how this season has gone, I mean, he's moved to center field. He's he's their fault. He, he's their starting center. He's their starting center fielder. And and move it's so, out. Yeah, it would just be just bring Brett Gardner disaster. back and let the Giants have uh, Aaron Judge <laughs> and Sanchez. Maybe no, I'm kidding. But that's why I think that's why the Benintendi call is actually great. He he's maybe you know, a younger, better. Gardner, he puts together yeah. these unbelievable at bats, hits three hundred, plays a great left field. You know, I, uh, Peralta yeah, it's, is it's actually when you said, fit. yeah, but David Peralta, that I, ooh, I Scott's like that. Been on Peralta I've been, I've been, on, I've been wanting to go like for Peralta for a couple of years now. He's, a, he's, I'm, I'm you know what you're getting. Steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like the Diamondbacks are definitely going to be. Well, he's walking. Yes. Now. He's a free agent too. He's a yeah, walking into next year. Yep. All right, guys. This is a well, lot of fun. Yeah, so should, uh, this is awesome. We're gonna wrap it up, but it's so much fun. Uh, I I hope the, uh, if there is a, uh, well, I hope that the Yankees and the Astros do play in the playoffs. I actually do hope that because it'd just be fr- freaking awesome, and, and we'll have to talk before that. But um, really appreciate you guys coming on. A lot of fun to talk to you. Yeah, in all in all of Manfred's lunacy, even he wants the Astros oh, and the Yankees yeah. to play because yeah. it's great. It's great TV. It's great drama. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys being open and honest, and it's always great having the conversation because your baseball knowledge is extremely good. And uh, who knows? We may be doing this again later in the season in October. Thanks for having us on, fellas. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks a bunch, guys. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.